Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Harkin, Senior Editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for another episode of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast. Happy Monday, everyone. Hope you had a great weekend. I did. Got some golf in, played really well, getting geared up for a big tournament coming up this weekend with my brother. That's neither here nor there. We'll talk about that later in the week, I'm sure. But I'm excited. I'm excited for this show, excited for the new week ahead, and there's a lot of reasons to be excited for your, if you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, the one thing that I talked about this, you know, on Friday and, and even mentioned it last Wednesday, it's hard to believe that the Steelers are only days away from reporting to training camp. Days. We're not talking about a month. We're not talking about a couple weeks. We're talking about days away. That to me is extremely exciting. I'm also very excited for the behindthesteelcurtain.com platform for the network at here, the podcast network. Very, very excited. The Steelers have eight days until training camp. Eight days. And what I decided to do, with those eight days, I will have four Let's Ride podcasts before the Steelers report on the 26th of July, which is a Tuesday. And I decided what I want to do is I want to get everyone prepared. I want to get everybody ready. I want them thinking about the Steelers. I want them thinking about these podcasts. I want them looking forward to these podcasts. So what I decided to do is I broke this uh, doing like a training camp preview. And I broke it down into four sections. And what I want to do is I kind of wanted to look at the roster. And I wanted to see are these players, and in some cases coaches, quote-unquote up to snuff. 
The first one today, we're going to go over the offensive skill positions. Wednesday, we're going to go over the defensive skill positions. On Friday, we're going to dive into the trenches. And then the following Monday, we're going to talk about special teams and the coaching staff, doing whatever I can to get you geared up and ready to go. Before we do that, I want to take a quick minute to say how proud I am of the Behind the Steel Curtain team. This offseason has been strange in a lot of ways, different in a lot of ways. One of those ways was the fact that there was actually a good amount of news. Steelers were very active in free agency. They took a quarterback first overall in the NFL draft. Um, Not first overall, their first round pick. Let me specify for those that want to come at me with that mistake. Uh, But, you know, there there have been some lulls. And up until Akrashore got the naming right. So there was a big lull. And I just want to say to everyone that writes on the website, everyone, there's a lot of you that also do the podcast side as well. I want to say thank you. It's not easy to try and think of content, whether it's a written article or whether it's audio podcast, for that amount of time. There's a lot of websites. We are obviously not one of them. That during these dog days, they kind of shut down. They might put out one or two articles a day. They're not going to do a lot of podcasts. We basically said, we have an expectation. We're going to live up to that expectation. And so we're going to do this no matter what. Doesn't matter if they're winning, if they're losing in the offseason, preseason, doesn't matter. And we've held up to our end of the bargain. And you have too, as listeners and readers. And I just want to say thank you to the whole team during these dog days of summer done a great job and thank you to the reader and listener for being a part of the behind the steel curtain family i know that my ride or die crew well they never miss they never miss i do want to mention before i dive headfirst into these offensive skill position players that we will have a monday 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 morning conversation coming up in the second half btse's own bradley locker you may have heard him he was on the scobro show not too long ago a couple weeks ago uh he is not on our podcast team but he just interviewed Miles Boykin. I'm going to want to talk to him about these offensive skill position players, about Miles Boykin's shot at making the team, as well as a bunch of other stuff that's Steeler related. So make sure you stay tuned for that in the second half of this show. Let's get right down to it. The offensive skill position players. So if you're wondering, okay, what are these offensive skill positions? Good question. Quarterback, wide receiver, tight end, running back, and fullback. Those are the offensive skill position players. And so what I did, I went through each position, and I kind of just said, okay, look at the players. Are they up to snuff? Is that group as a whole up to snuff individuals? Now, you'll notice I do not have every player on here. In my opinion, if they are a fringe player, fringe roster player, and when I say that, that means that they are no guarantee to make the team, that they could be cut that they could find themselves looking for employment even as soon as the second preseason game, then they're not going to be on this list. If they're a bubble player, in my opinion, they're not up to snuff. When I'm talking about up to snuff, I'm talking about players that are difference makers. Players that are going to go out there and potentially win you a football game. That's up to snuff. So let's start. Why not? The most important position in professional sports, in my opinion, the quarterback. We know the Steelers have Mitchell Trubisky, Kenny Pickett, KP8, Mace, Mason Rudolph, and then Chris Oladokun, the rookie out of South Dakota State. This is a group. 
that although Mitch Trubisky's made a Pro Bowl, he's been in the playoffs, he was a second overall draft pick, we all know his resume. Outside of that, in Mason Rudolph, we've seen a ton of him, if you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan that's been paying attention. This is a very unproven group. So it's very difficult for me to say that the quarterback position is quote-unquote up to snuff, when in my opinion, no one has done it, at least not in Pittsburgh. Mason Rudolph had a shot, didn't do it. Mitch Trubisky, most would say he had his shot in Chicago, didn't do it for whatever reason. Maybe it was Matt Nagy, bad system, no trust. It doesn't matter. He's not in Chicago anymore. He's in Pittsburgh. He's never done it in Pittsburgh, nor has the two rookies in KB8 and Oladokun. Could this group be a big surprise to the Steelers fan base? I think they could be. But at the same time, could there be a definite learning curve? Yes, absolutely, there could be a learning curve. There could be some serious times and situations where we as the fans long for number seven. We long for Ben Roethlisberger's clutch moments. I'm preparing myself for that. You should prepare yourself for that as well. But in terms of the quarterback position as a group, no, they are not up to snuff. Not at least right now and not on paper. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that they go out there, whoever is a starting quarterback in week one in Cincinnati, and they go out there and they just play lights out. I hope that's what happens. I'm just not going to predict it, at least not in week one. Let's go to wide receiver. We have DJ, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, CA3, Calvin Austin the third. He actually goes by Cal. That's what he says, at least. George Pickens, Gunnar Olszewski, and then Miles Boykin. Those are your six wide receivers. I don't think they're going to keep six wide receivers. So unless someone like Gunnar Olszewski is going to just return kicks and punts and he's going to take up a roster spot in that way, they've done it before. They essentially did it with Ray-Ray McLeod before he became a mainstay in the offense when Juju Smith-Schuster got hurt. So there is a possibility that all, all these players make the team, but are they up to snuff? That's the question we're trying to answer with all these players. De- Deontay Johnson is. You may not like not like his style. You may think he's overrated. You may might be moan the fact that he has the, the case of the drops on more than one occasion in his career. That's fine, but he is up to snuff. The dude can make plays. Chase Claypool, in my opinion, his rookie year, he proved that he is up to snuff that he can be a difference maker, that he can win you games. I do hope that Matt Canada finds a way within his offense this year to help Chase Claypool be more effective. Maybe that's moving him to the slot more. Maybe that's just finding creative ways to get him the football. I'm not sure, but I do think that Chase Claypool is a difference maker. Now, you'll notice a trend here at all these positions, and it doesn't matter, not just offensive skill position, every position that I will talk about. It is extremely difficult. For me to say that any rookie is going to be a difference maker in year one, it's not that it's impossible. It's not that it isn't going to happen. It's that I personally am not going to bank on that happening. So when you talk about Calvin Austin the third and George Pickens, we just don't know. Yeah, George Pickens on paper, on his college film, it looks like he is the real deal. It looks like he's everything the Steelers fan base has wanted in a wide receiver. We haven't seen it yet. How am I supposed to tell you he's up to snuff when I've never seen him in a black and gold uniform in a game that actually counts? And I'd even include the preseason. Haven't seen it yet. Calvin Austin III. Track speed. 200-meter guy, as Mike Tomlin says. 
But ultimately, it comes down to the same thing. Yeah, he made plays at Memphis. Can he make plays against the Baltimore Ravens? Can he make plays against the New England Patriots? Cincinnati in week one on the road at Paul Brown Stadium? We don't know. We don't know. So I cannot say that those two individuals are up to snuff. Now, Gunnar Olszewski and Miles Boykin talk about two players that are trying to reinvent themselves. Miles Boykin is a very willing special teamer. Gunnar O, same way in terms of he's a he was a I think a, an All Pro returner a couple years ago for New England. We'll see how this pans out. But let's take a look at the whole the whole group. Are the wide receivers up to snuff? Are they good enough? Are they difference makers? Can they win you games? This is tough. I kind of I kind of go back and forth. I kind of waffle on this. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say they are up to snuff. I have high hopes and high expectations for these rookies, that they'll be just a piece of the puzzle. They don't need to be the puzzle. This isn't Najee Harris in 2021 where you knew, even as a rookie, he was going to be called on to be a guy right now. I don't think they have to do that with Calvin Austin or George Pickens, but that doesn't mean they can't use them. They will. I think the wide receivers are up to snuff. All right, two more positions left here. Let's go to tight end. In tight end, you have Pat Fryermuth, Zach Gentry, Kevin Rader, Connor Hayward, the rookie. You're going to see his name again here shortly. When you look at these players, Pat Fryermuth, the dude is legit, in my opinion. In every sense of the word, that phrase, he is legit. Pat Fryermuth has proven on more than one occasion that he is capable, he is willing, he is that guy. Do I think he's the next, um, as some people are saying, the next Travis Kelsey? Uh, no, he's the next Pat Fryermuth. I don't compare him to any other tight end. I think he needs to improve on his blocking. If he can do that, he has all the athleticism. He has the hands. Trust me, the guy's going to be really, really good. Zach Gentry, talk about a 180. People were writing this guy off. He stinks. He's lousy. Former quarterback. Can't do anything. He's nothing more than a glorified, you know, wannabe tight end. Not anymore. Everyone's saying this guy is brimming with potential. He's not Matt Spath 2.0. He brings more to the team than Matt Spath did back when the Heath Miller era. I like Zach Gentry. I think he is up to snuff. Now, Kevin Rader, he's a special teams guy. If they want to keep three, I get it. But Connor Hayward is a rookie. Again, I'm not going to say he's up to snuff, but all the things that he can bring might make someone like Rader expendable. Rader is nothing to write home about. He's a hard worker. He's a good blocker. Again, mentioned his special teams play, but I don't think he is labeled or could be categorized as up to snuff. The tight end group as a whole, I think it's good. I think yes. I think they are up to snuff. You look at the top two, Fryermuth and Gentry. Not only are they really close friends and they're hysterical when you see them together, but Pat Fryermuth is the athletic athleticism flexibility, versatility, inline, flex him out, put him in the slot. You can do all that stuff. Gentry's more of your classic tight end. He's going to be in line. They can still use him in the passing game, but he's going to be out there and call it on to block. I think they're absolutely up to snuff. If they can get Connor Hayward in the mix, watch out. Watch out. I love that group. I love that group. Let's go to running backs and fullbacks to finish it out. Najee Harris, Benny Snell Jr., Anthony McFarland, Derek Watt and Connor Hayward. Again, yeah, Connor Hayward, because he's a tight end, fullback, H-back, whatever you want to call him. The more you can do. Some people think that Connor Hayward's going to knock off Derek Watt. I don't think that's going to happen. Derek Watt is a special teams captain, brings value. 
Yes, we'd all like to see him be utilized more in the offense. That's not his decision. He didn't write up that contract. He signed a good contract for him and his family. I don't fault Derek Watt for that. But I think that there's there's space for both of those gentlemen on the roster. And I didn't mention the und- undrafted free agent running backs. Not that, um, not that they can't make the team. They can. But again, if I'm not going to talk about some of these rookies as fringe players, how do I talk about an undrafted rookie? So keep that in the back of your mind. Now, when I look at the running backs, everyone wants to ask me all the time, Jeff, do you think they're going to add a running back? Do you think they're going to add some type of veteran behind Najee Harris? I think in theory that makes sense. I just don't see it happening. I think they like Snell, they like McFarland, and they like the three-headed monster of Najee Harris, Benny Snell, and Anthony McFarland. They each bring something different. Najee is going to be your workhorse. We know this. Benny Snell, if you're looking for a short yardage type guy, guy that can run downhill, can get you some tough yards if the blocking is there, that's him. You're looking for a change of pace back, someone that you can really do some unique things with, that's Anthony McFarlane. And everyone wants to say, well, that didn't happen last year. Well, Anthony McFarlane was hurt last year. And so he never really even played. So maybe, maybe just maybe, if if he can stay healthy and they have all three of these players, we don't we as a fan base don't sit here and say they need to add another guy. Maybe they have all the guys they need right now. But as you look at this, are they up to snuff? There's only one. Najee Harris is up to snuff. That dude is amazing. You talk about Fryermuth, Najee's even better. And he's going into year two, coming off a Pro Bowl year. That guy is the workhorse back. He is everything that you would want out of a running back. And so... Does he transform the entire group to being up to snuff? Absolutely. You had 381 touches last year. You can definitely carry that whole group on your back. And if you're up to snuff, they're up to snuff. He is up to snuff. So I think that that whole group is. So when you look at these four positions that I just covered in the first half of this show, quarterback, no, I can't say they're up to snuff. Wide receiver, yes. Tight end, yes. Running back, yes. I think that if they can get the quarterback figured out, Whoever it is, you know I'm pulling for KP8. But if they can get the quarterback figured out, I think they have the skill position players to really have a nice offense this year. Maybe not top 10, but it's going to be a nice offense. A lot of things have to go their way, but I like what they're doing right now as they're putting this roster together with those skill position players. When we come back after this break, I'm going to get Bradley Locker's thoughts on this and more. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. Monday morning conversation coming right up. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is Monday. It is the second half of the show. It means it's time for the Monday morning conversation on the Let's Ride podcast. 
I teased this in the first half. I explained that I'm going to have one of the BTSC staff members on who's not on our podcast platform yet. Anyways, maybe we'll coax him to do some more podcasting here in the, you know, the short term, but still Bradley Locker. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Thanks so much, Jeff. Great to be with you on this uh, Monday. Yeah, man. And uh, I want to give you a chance uh, because there might be some people that didn't catch you when you were on the Scobro show a few weeks ago. Uh, give us a little bit of a breakdown about who you are, uh, your background. I know you do more than just write about the Steelers for SB Nation, so why don't you go ahead and do that? Sure thing. So this is my third year with uh, BTSC, and I've loved every minute of it. I think I like to do some film room analysis. I know we have some really, really outstanding film room guys with uh, uh, KT Smith and, and Jeffrey Benedict, but I try to offer some insight there as well, I try to do some commentaries features obviously which we're going to get into in a second um, but besides covering the Steelers I'm also a managing editor for uh, Inside on You which is a Northwestern SB Nation site I'm a rising sophomore at Northwestern so those are kind of my two major outlets uh, and also like to post a bit on Twitter also pretty big uh, overall sports fan um, trying to follow the NFL MLB as much as I can too so just a little bit about me did you uh, did you play football in high school I did not. No, I do not have close to the athletic build to play football, but I'm trying to teach myself as much as I can about the game. So I've been doing a lot of reading this summer about different football plays, strategy, things like there you that. Go. Well, you know, our Andrew Wilbar behind the steel curtain is, I was stunned. I've never met him in person and here we are, we're getting ready for the NFL draft. And somehow or other, he started talking about how he weighs, he's like five foot eight or five, nine and weighs a hundred and, I want to say like 145 pounds. And I'm like, that was me in a fresh, <laughs> like when I got my driver's license at 16, I mean, you, what's your stature? Like what's your height and weight? Let's hear it. Yeah. I'll, I'll go, I'll give you five, seven, 145. So I'm a little bit more <laughs> muscular than Andrew, hopefully <laughs> trying to, trying to get in the gym as much as I yeah, can. There you no, go, I, there you I, go. I mean, I mean, I guess I'm going to be a kicker. Uh, that's about it, but maybe, I don't know, we'll see maybe front office, not, not an actual position on the field. That's for sure. Well, Calvin Austin the third is only a few inches taller, and he's obviously bigger. He's I think one seventy five, one eighty, um, and then there's a young, there's another uh, little scat wide receiver guy that's about your size. But still, hey, it doesn't matter. I, I've always said this. People always say, "Well, how did you play the game? How are you able to break down plays?" It's about understanding the game. Yeah, yes, if you played it, mm -hmm. it is beneficial. But it's about understanding the game, understanding the nuances, where players are supposed to be, things like that. And you do great work, and I appreciate everything that you've done for Behind the Steel Curtain the past three years. I look forward to more, obviously. But recently, you did a really great article, and this was something that if people listen to our entire podcast platform, our entire network, they heard this one-on-one -on -one interview with Bradley and one Miles Boykin, the newly acquired off of waivers. Uh, receiver from Notre Dame with Chase Claypool and also from formerly of the Baltimore Ravens. Bradley, when you finished up the interview and I listened to all of it, it was fantastic. What was your takeaway from talking with Miles Boykin? I know when I do interviews every now and then I'll finish it up and be like, mm, man, that was, that stood out what he said. Like, what was your takeaway after talking with Miles Boykin? I think my major takeaway was that he's really just ready to embrace Pittsburgh. And it seems like he's done that already and put the Baltimore chapter kind of in the rear view mirror. He didn't have any ill will towards the Ravens, um, which I think just speaks to his character, his demeanor. He's a very work oriented, selfless guy. He said uh, he had no problem with the way things were run in Baltimore. He loved playing with Lamar Jackson. He loved his teammates. Some of those guys he's still in contact with. So it's not like there's any bad blood between the two, um, which I think is something that I, I wasn't sure what to expect there. Um, but I, I think yeah, Boykin is a guy that people can very easily gravitate toward. He's going to put his best foot forward and 
he should be in position to make the roster. I think we'll get into it more, but he has some real value as a receiver and on special teams as well. For sure. What's his relationship? He talked about it briefly. I wanted to get your take on his relationship with Chase Claypool. Their, their time at Notre Dame overlapped. Um, and hey, you play any sport. I don't care what sport it is. You're not guaranteed to like everyone that was on your team. Uh, were they? Are they tight? Are they close? What? What was it? What do you say about his uh, former teammate? They are very much tight. It seemed like they stayed in contact with one another even as they've gone in the NFL. And I believe Miles said he loved playing against Chase twice a year that they were in the same division, obviously Ravens and Steelers. But they played three years at Notre Dame and Boykin said they were really like brothers there. And then as a result, they stayed in contact and now they get to be teammates once again. And I think on a podcast that Miles did, he actually said that the only person that his agent uh, said he could contact was Chase. So Chase was the first Steeler to find out that he or that Miles nice. would be joining the team. So I think that's going to be a fun relationship to watch. And they're actually roommate together in Latrobe um, this uh, this upcoming week or in the next two weeks or so, which is a fun nugget I found out for Miles. So. Yeah, for sure. And I know that Chase Claypool, he, he had kind of hinted to who he's going to have in his dorm room, I guess, uh, a few weeks ago. And I, and I can't remember who else it was him. And, and Gun- I don't think Gunnar was in that group. That doesn't seem like a good match. But um, <laughs> still, okay, so if you haven't listened to that, anyone listening to this podcast, if you haven't listened to that interview, go back and check it out. And you can also see the article, which ran on Friday of last week. Go back and check out the article. Great stuff there. I want to ask you about the talking points that I had in the first half of the show. I talked about, I'm, I'm doing a four-part breakdown of the roster and this is the four podcasts that i have leading up until they report to training camp and today monday offensive skill position players so i'm going to talk about a position group and i want you to give me your thoughts and opinions about that specific position group and if you want to talk about individual players absolutely go for it but you know are are you have do you have high hopes is the bar set really low for you expectations all that let's start in my opinion the most important position in professional sports and that's quarterback and the Steelers have four quarterbacks on the roster three which I think are actually viable candidates to to be the starter in 2022 what's your take on the Steelers quarterbacks I think overall I have generally low expectations and I feel like that's a, a good benchmark that most Steelers fans should have just because there is so much uncertainty there I think you have two guys who are very much starting caliber in Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett, but they're also very much wild cards. Trubisky was very up and down with his career in the, uh, in Chicago with the bears, but obviously it's hard to really evaluate that. He didn't have a ton of talent around him. Obviously head coaching general manager did no, did him no favors with Matt Nagy and uh, Ryan Pace in the Windy City. But then he went to Buffalo for a year. It's uh, You got rave reviews from Josh Allen, Isaiah McKenzie, uh, Brandon Bean, all the real top executives and, and names in Buffalo. And they seemed like he deserved another chance. And I was very happy when the Steelers signed Mitch. I didn't want them to go out and spend some assets on a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, who doesn't really accomplish a whole lot. So Mitch is a very easy guy to root for. And I think obviously Steelers fans will be. And I think he should be viewed as the presumptive starter. But so I've seen some tweets saying, oh, the Steelers are going to be in some trouble because they only signed Mitch for two years and he's going to go ball out, light up the league, be a pro bowler. I mean, I just can't really buy into that just yet. We got to let the guy settle in for a bit, see how he does in preseason. But he, he brings some exciting assets with uh, throwing power, agility, and I think he should be a good fit in the Matt Canada offense. And I think he should be a really good mentor to Kenny Pickett. I at first was not thrilled with the Kenny Pickett pick. I really did want the Steelers to take Malik Willis. I guess Andrew and I were in the same camp when that happens, yes. but I think the pick has really grown on me. I think Pickett has been embraced by the city, obviously was before, and his new teammates. And I think Pickett has done a great opportunity to succeed and take over whenever that is. I'm expecting it to happen 
later on in the season, maybe when Trubisky starts to run into some struggles, but Pickett very well might not see much action in his first year. No, I, I would agree with that. I'm rooting for Kenny Pickett, but I, I, I'm, I agree with you there. I have one question before we move on to the next position. What do you think is the, or let me ask, let me rephrase this another way. How long are they going to give Mitch Trubisky? Let's assume that Mitch Trubisky is the starter coming out of training camp in the preseason. If this, how long do you think that they let him, if he is struggling, struggle before they say, okay, the learning curve's over. We got to move on. We got to get someone else in there. What would the, how many games would you say that would be? I would say Pickett or sorry, Trubisky would have to struggle for probably at least three to four games in a row before Mike Tomlin would seriously consider making a quarterback change. I think Mike Tomlin knows that with younger quarterbacks, you can't really just uh, usher them into a situation without them being prepared. And I know Kenny will be prepared throughout the season, but I think Mike Tomlin's going to want to be very careful with this. Uh, obviously, he wasn't really around when the Ben Roethlisberger era started, but I know Ben was kind of thrust in and that ended up working just fine. But I don't think they're going to want to repeat that with um with Mitchell Trubisky and Kenny Pickett. We've seen from some younger quarterbacks when they have to just come in right away. I mean, Justin Herbert is the exception, but generally it doesn't always work out as, as teams expect. And I think they want to be very methodical with all of that. Yeah, I agree. I, I think they, you could even go to six games. I think that Mike Tomlin's going to be very protective of the quarterback that he drafted uh, the 20th overall pick in 2022 and not wanting to rush him out. And, and Steeler fans are going to hate it because the, the last time they drafted a quarterback in the first round, well, he rattled off 15 straight wins in 2004, and they're going to expect that to be the standard, and that's not always the standard. But we can talk about quarterbacks for hours. We don't want that. We want to get to the wide receiver position, which clearly you have an insider viewpoint from talking with Miles Boykin. But you have Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Calvin Austin, George Pickens, Gunnar Olszewski. Those are the main, those are the six main players at the position. Sure, there's other ones. You could talk about Anthony Miller and players like that, but those six, in my opinion, are the six that they might have to whittle down to five. What are your thoughts on the entire receiver position group as a whole? I think this is one of the strongest points, if not the strongest point on the Steelers roster. There's a lot of talent, but also a lot of youth with Deontay Johnson entering his fourth season in the NFL, and he's kind of the top dog. But you look at Chase Claypool, he had a, a bit of a down year last year, but that 2020 season, his rookie year, it's hard to forget just the pure talent he brings, the the deep threat ability and he had some struggles high pointing the ball last year. I think he's trying to work on that and he should just get the ball a lot more in his hands. He's a monster uh, when he gets the ball out in space on those jet sweeps. And then I really love what the Steelers did in the draft with George Pickens and Calvin Austin. The third, those were two receivers that a lot of people said, do not sleep on them. These guys could become major NFL stars and it just proliferated the narrative of the Steelers of this receiver factory. So I was very much um, elated when the Steelers took Pickens at, at the second round at pick 52 and he was still on the board and I know there are some character concerns uh and some worries there but I think if there's one coach I would want to trust with that it would be Mike Tomlin just knowing what he's done with guys like Antonio Brown in the past so I think if you look at that for some you have some good depth and Gunnar Olszewski only had a handful of catches uh, while in New England but I think he could see some action and some sweeps and then Miles Boykin again I think should play a role as well could be a good chain mover and as well as a deep ball threat and the Ravens didn't target him a whole lot. He only had one catch last year, but he's had some injuries. If he can stay healthy, I think this is looking like one of the better and deeper receiving rooms in the NFL. I, I tend to agree with you. I think special teams is going to be the the way that Miles Boykin makes the 53, and he's a very willing special teamer. Just a quick question before we go to tight ends. Which of these receivers do you think will lead the team in yardage? 
Yardage, I'm definitely going to have to go with Deontay Johnson just based on what he's done the past three years. He has been that major target guy, uh, and he's seen a lot of short yardage, but I think the Steelers should try to work him more in that middle of the field, which is something that Kenny Pickett in particular specializes in um, doing a lot of ins and crossing routes and things like that. And Deontay hasn't really been a deep threat, and that's, I guess, the main way that Steelers fans try to attack him, which I don't really understand why Steelers fans love attacking Deontay Johnson so much. He's a really special player, and I think the Steelers should should pay him what he wants. But the one knack on him or knock on him could be that he's not very efficient, which is true. He gets a lot of targets, a lot of short yardage areas, but um, I think obviously the Steelers struggled a little bit in that area with Ben Roethlisberger the last few years. But I would have to go with Deontay Johnson leading the team um, in receiving yards for a 22. I'll take Claypool with yards. I'll take Deontay with receptions. Touchdowns is a different story. Let's go to tight end. Pat Farmy, Zach Gentry, Kevin Rader. And I'm going to put Connor Hayward in this category as well as another. What are your overall thoughts on the tight end? I mean, no Eric Ebron this year. It's going to look different. Farmy's going into year two. Zach Gentry in the final year of his rookie deal. What are your thoughts on the tight end position? I'm excited about this tight end room. Pat Farmer showed a lot of flash, flashes in his rookie year, and I think he can only really get better in his second year. I know he said he's wanting to work on blocking and just being more precise route runner. That's a dangerous thought for the NFL if, if he can really focus on those areas of his game because we know how good he is in the red zone. He's a monster. He's got terrific hands, uh, just a very physical guy. So I think Frymer should excel. I, I might even put it out there. He very well could make his first Pro Bowl this year. Obviously, the AFC is pretty loaded in tight ends with Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey, guys like that. But you look around the league, there's not much better young talent than, than Pat Frymer. And I was very much impressed with what Zach Gentry did last year. He, I mean, he's a, a mammoth six foot eight, and he's a great uh, physical run blocker as well. But he showed some promise in the receiving room and receiving areas showed some ability to break tackles and run after the catch. So I think you have two pretty good top two tight ends. The depth is a little bit lacking, but I'm excited to see what Connor Hayward can do. Maybe as that H back in that Matt Canada offense, um, being fullback, being more of a tight end, doing some checks and releases, things like that. And I don't think the loss of Eric Ebron is very much impactful. And I think most Steelers fans would, would agree with that. That Ebron had, he had some injuries. He wasn't a great blocker. He was good when he had the ball in his hands, but he also had some shaky hands as well. So I think this is a pretty good tight end room entering, entering the season. You know, I got to ask a tight end question like I have with all the other positions before we move on. If you were to have a comp for Pat Fryermuth, someone that is an established veteran in the NFL, who would it be? Oh, man, that is a good one. I I, I would tend toward, in some ways, Mark Andrews. I, I could see some similarities there because um, they're both just outstanding receiving threats. But it's obviously high praise for Frymuth, and I have to dig a little bit deeper. That's the guy that first comes to mind. That might be your next article. There you go. Um, <laughs> let's go with uh, the running back and fullbacks. We'll put them together into one. Najee Harris is Najee Harris. We know that. Benny Snow Jr., Anthony McFarland. There's some undrafted free agents in there. Derek Watt, fullback, and Connor Hayward as that H-back fullback guy. There's a lot of Steeler fans that are down on the running back depth. No one's questioning Najee Harris. What are your thoughts on the depth at the position? I am a little bit concerned about the depth. I really thought the Steelers would consider bringing in a guy like Marlon Mack. Um, and obviously they had Kalen Balaj last year, but they really did not use him at all. I was, I was very much surprised by that. And obviously you look at the volume with Najee Harris and it's all, it's all nice and dandy that he gets so many carries in a game, but I believe he had the highest uh, carry rate in the NFL. And that was even ahead of Jonathan Taylor last year. And we know how much the Colts use Taylor. So it's not really sustainable over the course of a year and over the course of a player's career. If you, want to 
uh, keep them fresh for as long as the Steelers hope to keep Najee young and lively. So I'm hoping to see some of those carries offset, but I don't have a lot of faith in Benny Snell Jr. He's shown some ability against the Ravens last year. He looked solid when Najee went out, but it's kind of, he looks good for a few plays, and then all of a sudden he'll revert to not seeing the field well or just being a little bit too slow and not elusive. And same thing with Anthony McFarland. Uh, he, he's kind of a, almost a scat back, doesn't really have a whole lot of power, uh, not a great balance as well. So I do think a guy like Mateo Durant could make the roster. I think the Steelers gave him their highest pledge and, and contract to an undrafted free agent in team history. So there's some interest there, some other undrafted backs. I think one of them should make the roster. And then in terms of fullbacks, I think Derek Watt still continues to be this mystery man on the Steelers. We don't really know why he signed for the contract he did and why the team values him as much. If they're not going to give the ball to him in short yarded situations, he's kind of just a default special teamer at this point. He almost never saw the field. So he could see his role supplanted a little bit by Connor Hayward. Maybe the Steelers run some two fullback looks. I, I don't know, but I think running back and fullback, not the strongest points on the roster, but it's, it's kind of a bit top heavy with Najee Harris. Okay. So let's wrap this up. We, we talked about every single position group that I would consider a, the, the skill positions on offense. What's your overall takeaway of the Steelers from this perspective, this offensive skill position? Do you say that they're, Average at best, above average, good, great, awful. Where would you rank them in terms of the offensive skill positions on paper heading into training camp? So just one clarifying question. Would we include quarterbacks in that skill position category? Or no? I would. Yeah, I absolutely would. Okay. If we're factoring in quarterbacks, the I think the first word that comes to mind is young for the Steelers. Offensive weapons, a lot of younger guys. Miles Boykin, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Najee Harris, just a youth infusion. And I think that has good and bad elements to it. Obviously, a lot of multiple pieces and a lot of uh, fresh talents that are starting to emerge and, and solidify themselves as stars in the NFL, like Najee, like Pat Fryermuth. But that also comes with some growing pain, some uncertainty. A lot of these guys have never really worked together before and have never been in a Matt Canada offense. So I think overall, this team has a lot of talent um, in terms of those skill positions, like quarterback, running back, receiver, all those but the question is, how well will it materialize? How well can they avoid making some blunders, some drops, and, and execute blocks and things like that? So overall, I think it's a it's a promising group. But again, I'm not expecting a lot. I think the Steelers should do better in terms of establishing balance and trying to run the ball because that's something that they did not do very well in the last few years of the Roethlisberger era. But I would say this offense will probably finish around middle of the pack. But if you have a defense that is really outstanding, that could be enough to, to make some waves. Middle of the pack in a lot of ways would be an improvement from last year. And so I think that's what Steeler fans just want to see. They want to see the bar get raised even just slightly, but Bradley, good stuff. As always, I thank you for joining me. Go ahead and plug your social media. Um, you can plug your stuff with uh, Northwestern as well as the Steelers, what you're working on. Go ahead and you have the platform. Absolutely. Well, my Twitter is at Bradley underscore locker. I think that's where I post the vast majority of my articles, whether they're Steelers or Northwestern related. I'll also post some fun film clips there. I'm doing some some film work for my Northwestern outlet right now. So stay tuned for that. And I'll obviously have a lot more for PTSC this summer and throughout the season. But that's kind of the, the major place uh, would just be my Twitter. Perfect. Thank you very much, Bradley, as always. And for my ride or die crew out there, thank you for listening. I want to make sure that you remember on Tuesday to be on the lookout. Follow me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. Around noon, maybe a little bit earlier, I put out the tweet asking for questions for the mailbag. You always pull through. I expect nothing more from my ride or die crew. I'll answer every single question on the Wednesday show. Be on the lookout for that. Otherwise, you know how we finish it out here, folks. Be safe. 
Be kind and God bless. Go Steelers. We'll see you on Wednesday.